always wait here for you. Listen to me. Lottie is very dear to me. She is my daughter. Your lover. Oh, my beloved. My child. You say so. You are innocent. She's in danger, isn't she? She is. But why? I could give you reasons. Her silence. Her youth. It's forbidden to make one so young, so helpless, and cannot survive on its own. Then blame the one who made her. Did you kill this vampire who made you both? Is that why you won't say his name? Santiago thinks you did. We want no quarrel with him. No, no, he's already begun. If you want to save her, send her away. Then I leave too. So soon? Without any of those answers you so longed for. You said there were none. But you asked the wrong questions. Do you know how few vampires have the stamina for immortality. How quickly they perish of their own will. <laughs> the world changes. We do not. Therein lies the irony that finally kills us. I need you to make contact with this age. You see, I'm not the spirit of any age. I'm at odds with everything. I always have been. But Louis, that is the very spirit of your age. The heart of it. Your fall from grace has been the fall of a century. But the vampires in the theater? Useless. They can't reflect anything. But you do. You reflect its broken heart. Thank you.
all to try to stand out from the herd. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. Welcome to the Cinnamon Eye Podcast. Yes, it's us now. We're being normal people. We're live. We're drinking blood. And we are cutting loose on the old town tonight. We're going to do it Nolan style on this episode as we focus in on Lestat and his buddies. It's a fun, you know, rom-com. It's like a coming-of-age tale about a few vampires. We're going to focus on Interview with the Vampire is our main focus today. And then we'll do our quarantine viewing picks and we'll have our opening segment, which I will reveal shortly. But first, let's introduce the co-hosts, our pals who are not vampires. Travis Roy, how's it going? How's your vampire fever? Uh, my vampire fever is uh, its in a fever pitch, you know? No, I feel pretty good. I'm ready to talk about my two vampire dads. It's going <laughs> uh, to be a, a good, good time in touching base with my goth teenage self. I'm excited. Oh, man, I got so many things to say about this movie. I can't wait to get into it. But uh, first, as always, Eric Branstrom with the name Lestat de Lioncourt on his screen name. How's it going, Lestat? Mike, if you thought the cast of last week's movie was too white, these motherfuckers are translucent. (laughs) I cannot wait to talk about the film. You know, that's true. But I will say, I mean, at least they had blacks early on in the film. That's the only advantage it has. (laughs) Even if they were slaves, which is totally bogus, but... I don't know. Well, we could argue about that, but we probably it's period, much more interested. period appropriate. At least. It is very yeah yeah that's true. So. If you're in New Orleans, if you're if, if you're in that if you're in Louisiana in the late 1700s, and there's black people around, they're probably enslaved. Stark accurate film about vampires. Yes, well, we're Cinema Nine Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Cinema Nine Pod. Send us a DM. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, I talked to a listener the other day, yesterday. No shit, sure. told me. Yeah, he told me he was very excited about uh, he wanted to get a film in for uh, listener's choice. I'm like, well, we're going to do that again in a couple of weeks. So we'll definitely get you in the rotation and get a film prepared because we love hearing back from you. And you can send in film suggestions anytime because they might spur us to choose even before we get to a listener's choice round. So just want to remind people. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you if you submit, you know, so long as you submit after the last listener's choice session, we'll we'll put your we'll put your one in the mix, you know, next time we do the go around yeah we did it for old spence remember that one (laughs) (laughs) seems like a lifetime ago old spencer he's like hey you guys should do vanilla sky and we did it so citizen dildo dildo, sorry (laughs) yes of course all right so we're going to look at uh, 1994's interview with the vampire to find out does it hold up and we'll do our quarantine viewing picks but first as always a fresh opening segment and this week is pretty creative i think it'll be fun we're going to try to Create film, and we're going to pitch you a movie based on an 80s cartoon. That's right. Now, this could be any 80s cartoon, right? Even if it's been done? Like, are we willing to do Transformer remakes, or do we want fresh only? <laughs> it's up to you. It doesn't You're really pissed. have to be 80s. We could do 80s, 90s. Whatever cartoon you want to see in live-action format, have at it. Oh, any cartoon in live-action yeah, why not? Okay. All right. That's cool. All right. Great. Well, uh, Travis, I'm sure you got something fresh. And I know you like your cartoons, so let's hear it. I do. I have deep love and appreciation for uh, a certain 
very American film. Uh, I remember <laughs> at the end of the movie being in the theaters mortified as my mother waved and yelled, bye, Fievel, bye, Fievel. We might oh. see you in the sequel. I want to turn an American tale into <laughs> an American tale, T-A-L-E. And I want to see it like, because what the, what American an American tale really is, is a great immigrant story about uh, persecuted people who come to America in search of, you know, the promised land and, and are instead bamboozled and fight back and, uh, and, and save their own day. And I think it's a really inspiring story. And I think it could be done uh, particularly well by someone with like, like I want to get Robert Redford on, on to direct this, <laughs> uh, maybe shoot high and get, get Clint, get Clint Eastwood <laughs> behind the camera. Um, I feel like someone with this grand American vision could, could really like uh, ground this movie. And, and, and I'd love to see someone like Dante Spinati do this in cinematography. <laughs> but because, uh, you know, he's been doing so much stuff that's just like all indoors lately. And he's a vast palette. Anyway, let's get into the uh, <laughs> cast. <laughs> so now the Moskowitzes are clearly Jewish. <laughs> and I, it seems to me like it'd be best to have, you know, Jewish actors play them. And but at the same time, Fievel... Uh, you know, Tom Holland is an obvious fievel to me. Um, now he, he does have he his ethnically Jewish in his heritage, but I don't know if that really mm -hmm. matters at the end of the day. Um, Haley, Haley Steinfeld would be a great choice for his sister, beautiful and a beautiful singing voice. Uh, you could throw Cersei Ronan in there playing an immigrant, of course, as his love interest, Bridget. I mean, if you're going to have a movie set in America with an immigrant woman in it, you should probably have Cersei Ronan in it. Um, She's good. And, yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's good. And the kicker um, for uh, for the role of Tiger that was Tom, played by Dom DeLuise, I think mm -hmm. that I'd like to see Tom Hardy tackle this role. <laughs> I think that I'd like to see him kind of, uh, you know, he's great with weird voices. That's all he kind of does mm -hmm. in a way. And mm -hmm. he's also like, uh, <laughs> if he's going to be playing like a cat, he's got to be kind of menacing but lovable at the same time, right? Because, I mean, that's kind of like, because we're going to be dealing with human beings. Everyone's going to be playing humans. My thinking is that the, you know, the immigrants would play immigrants and then like the cats would be like, you know, like the, uh, the, the like, like Tom could be, or Tiger could be a cat or excuse me, Tiger could be a cop. That would make sense. Like he's like, uh, you know, sympathetic because maybe he's like second or third generation or something. And then as the villain, the guy that pretends that he's uh, uh, a mouse, who's really a cat with the clever name of Warren T. Cat, <laughs> I'm saying Tom Hanks. I want to see Tom oh. Hanks play a villain. I want to see America's dad, uh, like, take the gloves off. And and, and plus, it'd be, you know, again, like, it's got to be someone that can, like, be charming and uh, and convincing that he's a good person and, uh, you know, cares about America, et cetera, et cetera. But underneath, you know, this dripping venom. And I just really would love to see Tom Hanks do that, especially after watching Tom Cruise again, who I just wish had done in his career and still could, but, you know, more villainous roles. Absolutely. So are we talking like mocap, uh, like costumes, puppets, like no, 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 no. This is this is T A L E. This is all humans. This is this is pretty oh. remake. This is this oh. is this is taking the plot, you know, completely seriously. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously the great the mouse of Mouskowitz, something would have to be like played with there. I don't know how that would really work, like in a. Uh, realistic sense, but that could probably just be replaced with an angry mob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's a great immigrant story and a great American story that could mm -hmm. uh, really be done seriously. And it's the kind of thing, like you know, this is there's this uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air drama that that's coming up. 
And this is the kind of thing where people are like, what? And then like, the same thing, like, huh. I mean, same thing with Riverdale. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that the same thing could be done with American and American tale. Yeah. Um, Don Bluth doesn't get enough credit for uh, his contributions to animation. So that could be a good opportunity to get his name back in the line. Sacred of Nymph. Uh, he had a big part in Dragon's Lair. Remember that video game? Oh, yeah. And there's, I think I'm missing a big one. I can't think of what it is. Yeah. Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven. All yeah, dogs yeah, go to heaven. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely watched that. Oh, yeah, I'd watch it too. I agree. Maybe it sounds like a Disney Plus thing, maybe even if you got someone like less grand scale director. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of lush, beautiful sets and like great atmosphere. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, um, boy, it's, I guess it's never too early for like a recreation or a remake. So I'm, I'm down with it. I mean, I love, I love the story. I love the concept. I think uh, it's well thought out. I think we should send it in. All right. You going to send it in? Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go tell Hollywood right after this. <laughs> <laughs> They've already got a release date for Five of Goes West before they even shoot the first one. <laughs> tell Hollywood. Let's tell Hollywood. All right. <laughs> I really thought uh, I thought you were gonna go with something different, but uh, that was surprising. I thought you were going with Robotech. I, I so did I. So did I. Yeah, I thought maybe you want to bring it to life. But <laughs> hey, way to throw a curveball! Way to mix it up, Travis. Yeah. Good for you. Keep you All right, Eric Branstrom, what do you got? I know you got something very detailed. Yeah, you know when I grew up in uh, beautiful Livonia, Michigan, from uh, um, you know an early age, I used to watch this show nonstop, and uh, the original series ran from '85 to '89. It was uh, animated in Japan, but voiced by American actors. And I remember it having this huge influence in the 80s. And then it just kind of went away. And you only randomly hear about it here and there when you see like a tattoo or like a shirt. But uh, I'm talking about Thundercats. And uh, I think the premise could make for a really interesting blend of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, Likes we haven't really seen since... Uh, I, I don't even know what, you know, Jupiter ascending or some bullshit that just didn't work out. But yeah, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll argue that point. But continue. Sorry. <laughs> but I think there's a um I, I think there's um an appetite for this this sort of story, you know. We we've been inundated by the Marvel and stuff and they're and they're fun, but I think it's time that we take a chance on like a, a different property and, and see where it go. I see this as kind of um Maybe being like a Netflix 10-part series or something like that. But uh, I'd like to bring back, believe it or not, uh, he needs to redeem himself. But I'd like to bring back Peter Jackson. You know, he's really good at blending like silly and dumb, especially like in some of his earlier work, like Brain yeah. Dead and Frighteners, which I think is kind of an underrated film Love that it. I like to visit. Um, so, yeah, uh, we got... Uh, I was thinking maybe John Cena as Lionel, but like he'd have to have like a year of acting training because he's horrible. So we'll go with Channing Tatum as Lionel, like the leader of the Thundercats. And uh as Tigra, remember like his like like the older dude who's like the scientist. We got I got John Hamm as that dude. Uh clearly Dave Bautista as Panthor, the badass warrior, Thundercat. Um, I've got Betty Gilpin as uh Chitara. She's this I mean, she she doesn't get a lot of credit. She's funny, and she's like this strong, beautiful woman. Um, Snarf, remember, like that lizard cat creature? Clearly, Josh Gad. Um, just like put some makeup on Josh Gad and like just let him have it. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so for the villain, I, I always liked that dude, uh, Mumra. He was like this demon mummy. Um, David Kaluuya, that dude from Get Out, I think has like this kind of eerie menace about him. So I'd, I'd cast him as Mumra. Uh, and I think you could, you know, if you if you tell it right, you treat it like half serious, half just like fun silly, you could uh, have an interesting property on your hands. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of fun characters in there and you could do some really creative stuff with it. I agree. I think that's a good idea. Um, hmm. I think there's a lot of creative casting you got going on there. John Cena, he's going to have the show for uh, like an eight part show for uh, what's he, yeah. Peacekeeper the, from, yeah. from the Suicide Squad. So we'll see, yeah, we'll see. how his acting chops could add up. We'll but, actually, but Channing Tatum, yeah, he's I, a fine I think, actor. I think he's a fine actor. I think he's very charismatic and he's kind of fell off lately. I'd like to see him yeah. come back and do something, um, you know. Anything. Yeah, like uh, I for some reason like I, I I like those movies like like The Kingsman like they're so fucking weird. Oh, first uh, and, and he's really good in that uh, the Golden Circle that that second one. Who are we talking about? Channing Tatum. Yeah. Oh, that's right. like that cowboy asshole. Yeah, the second one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I haven't seen those movies, so I'm not cool. Sorry, not cool. But uh, I know for me the movie that I've. I always wanted the cartoon to be done right, and especially since it was just absolutely bastardized. 1987's He-Man. I want He-Man done right. It's got to be wow. done properly. And we have the memory of Frank Langella, <laughs> you know, playing this stupid Skeletor from a company that ran out of money. And just, I mean, Frank Langella did the best he could, but it's just is not Skeletor. It's stupid. And it was because it's not the. <laughs> You have to stay true to the cartoon. This is what people knew. You just created these other versions. It's all on Earth. It's not his fault at all. It's, you know, Frank Langella did it because he wanted his kids to think he was cool. And I yeah. respect a dad wanting to, you know, please their fathers. Uh, it happens all the time in movies. Uh, same thing happened to, what's his face? Uh, that guy. That guy. Yeah, what's his face? Uh, uh, oh, Raul Julia, when he did Street yeah. Fighter. <laughs> yeah, oh, and Bison. Yeah, he took that role because he was, well, he was dying of cancer, which is awful, but uh, he wanted to do it for his kids. So I can respect yeah. that. But point being is that He-Man could be really fun. And the the role of He-Man, it should be on Eternia. You got Man-at-Arms. Oh, and yeah. I even want to get like She-Ra in the mix. I think we could squeeze her in, you know, or we could do a crossover even. There's a lot of fun, exciting things I could see. But for the role of He-Man, uh, that's where it got difficult because I didn't want to pick like, I don't know, like some WWE guy or something. Cause <laughs> I mean, like Dave Bautista is not he man yeah. because he's bald. You know, you got to have flowing <laughs> hair. That's important. You know? They could put a wig on him, I guess. He wouldn't but, look mm -hmm. right with a wig, though. He just, yeah, look. right. Yeah. I, I just don't think that would work. So I was actually kind of just torn on the casting. I, I don't have a good example of someone that I could choose because they're all like uh, bodybuilders and we're in an era now of like action yeah. stars got old. Jason I mean, Momoa. Right. Just just get Jason Momoa and call it a day. No, I don't want tattoos. I want like a clean cut He-Man. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Good I love tattoos. Your, your pristine He-Man. No, but that's it. what it's. This is a good opportunity to find like a fresh face. You know, that's why I think we should go like beyond what we know. And I don't know every, you know, I don't have the casting role of everybody in Hollywood, but I think this is a good opportunity to find a fresh face to play He-Man. But uh, as far as like, <laughs> as far as far as um, uh, Tila, which is Man in Arms and Tila, mm -hmm. they like run around. Yep. They're their buddies. Tila's Man in Arms' daughter, I believe, and she's yeah, very right. mis 
mischievous. She's up to no good. I think maybe this is too elite, but I think like Emma Stone would be a really good Tila. Because she's like call. mischievous, but like she could move around action. She seems athletic to me and she could be in gun scenes <laughs> and chasing after Beast Man and all these bozo characters, you know. Uh, so I, I thought maybe that'd be fun. But for Mad at Arms, you know, it's too bad Wolfram Brimley died because that mustache is perfect. Dude, I got he, it. I got it. You got it? No, keep going. Keep going. Keep oh. going. I, I haven't. No, I mean, I'm open to suggestions. But for Mad at Arms, I was I was really kind of struggling. I wanted somebody who wasn't too old, but was kind of like in decent shape. You know, so they have to be like 50-ish. You know, they could be in their 50s, but you know, they're not past their prime. But uh, I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I want to say it now. Now it sounds dumb that I'm going to say it out loud. I think I regret this one, but I thought maybe, you know, like uh, maybe Brad Pitt could grow a mustache. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's like he's like 56 Dude, years old. Not going to happen. No, and like like a dyes hair gray and. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't like it. The script, Mike. Maybe sorry. maybe you could get uh, Daniel Day Lewis to come out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great call. Actually, maybe we get yeah. uh you know, Henry Cavill, he loves the uh, mustaches, so yeah, maybe he would work. No, I, I really couldn't think of a good man at arms. I thought maybe Hulk Hogan's too old. You know? uh, I was thinking uh, like a like a Top Gun era Tom Skerritt would be perfect. Yes, yes, that is perfect. You're so right. I wish who's it was 1986. Who's got that energy now? Um, yeah, who's like now it's Tom Skerritt? What's uh, what's his nuts from Whiplash? <laughs> yeah. Simmons. What's his name? Ben. J.K. Simmons is too J.K. Bald? Simmons, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah Scarrett's got the flowing locks and the uh, mustache. You're right. Anti-bald. I'm not anti-bald. If there's a bald character, I mean, I want Lex Luthor to be bald for sure. So. <laughs> Filing a lawsuit. I don't want Jesse Eisenberg playing Lex Luthor. That was dumb. baldest. That was so oh, stupid. Shit. And Gene well, Hackman refused to, he refused to wear. He should have I was. <laughs> I was watching... Uh, like, for some reason, I was watching, like, The Making of Masters of the Universe, like, the 1987 movie... Mm. And like they interviewed like Dolph Lundgren, like Billy Barty, and like Frank Langella came on, and I'm like, wow, how the fuck did they get Langella to come back for like the behind the scenes? Like I thought he this was an embarrassment. He <laughs> actually like really enjoyed playing Skeletor, yeah. and I remember pausing it because I was laughing out loud. He was like, I remember this one line that was in the script, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? He's talking about Skeletor, right? And it, <laughs> I had to dig it up just now. He's like, it really stood out to me, and it's one of the reasons I took the role, and it's. Tell me about the loneliness of good, he man. Is it equalness? Is is it equal to the loneliness of evil? And like I'm laughing, but I'm like, that's kind of a cool lie. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's both sides that both struggle to live in isolation in their uh, extremes. <laughs> yeah, pathos and skeletor. You don't really see the two uh, being symbiotes. But I do see some CGI coming in here. Like Orko should be. I can. Oh, I'm yeah. down with Orko. No. No. Uh, Whatever the hell it was, they can't. that <laughs> fucking thing. Yes, that, Billy that, Barty's thing. Whatever, Wildor. Billy Barty. Yeah, Wildor. Why? Why? Like to, to to delete a major character and replace him with a similar but different <laughs> character in a similar role, like is the most absurd move. Of, like a like you could make. Like, well, this is a beloved character. They'll like this guy better though. <laughs> So they put the effort in. It's not like <laughs> right. they didn't blow it off. It's like, well, we're right. going to put in the effort, but we're not going to do it the way people want it. <laughs> well, we got <laughs> Billy Barty. Well, we could just throw like a purple coat on him and a cap. And 
if we're done. No, 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 no. Let's make him sit in the makeup chair for, I don't know, six to eight hours every morning. Let's do that instead. Let's do that. Wait, are you serious? We got Frank Jello's, uh, Lake Lake Jello's Skeletor? Yeah, we're serious. Holy shit. Anyway. anyway uh, uh, yeah, and I thought maybe uh, Dennis uh, Villanueva could take a shot at the ooh, directors ooh, here. Okay. All right. I think that'd be a little, uh, it'd be interesting. You know, he's coming off Dune. I could see him really fitting into this kind of role. But hey, we're all starting high. We're all shooting high here. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, I'm looking for a fresh face for He-Man. So send in your uh, headshots now. I'll be, uh, I'll be curious to see what we can find. All right. So, yeah, that, that's what I would just like to see that before I die. De- redone anyway. Any, I don't care how it's redone. Really, I just want to see a live action done yeah. with at least the regular characters. Done right. And stay yeah. in eternity for Christ's sakes. Yeah, at just the very least. least. Let's hey, let's do a let's do a movie about the origins of Superman on Krypton on Mars. You know, it's like, <laughs> why? Why? Um, anyways, oh, those are interesting. Uh, <clears throat> interesting choices. Do you guys have choices out there? What cartoon is dying to be made into a live action full length movie? Let us know. Hit us up. Cinema Nine Pod. ProtonMail.com. Cinema Nine Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I flirted with biker mice from Mars. And then oh. I thought it would be a little too outlandish for, you know, 2020s, post-COVID, you know, the election and all that shit. Darkwing Duck would be kind of interesting. <laughs> just just too intense? You thought Biker Mice? Like, just, just like the people aren't ready for it. Like, oh, not yet. Give it five years. <laughs> well, hey, let's cut the shit. Yeah. And let's get to the main focus. This is the reason we came in here for this episode. It's time to find out 1994's Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> it's a coven! A coven! It's your coffin, my love. Enjoy it. Most of us never get to know what it feels like. Why do you do this? I like to do it. I enjoy it. Take your rest seats, taste pure things. Kill them swiftly if you will. But do it! For do not doubt! You are a killer, Louis! What's that one? It's a coffin. Well, so it is. You must be dead. I'm not dead, am I? No, you're not dead. Not yet. You finish this, you finish this now! You finish it. Save me from him. Save me! You let me go. I can't die like this. I need a priest! My friend is a priest. He'll hear your sins before you die. Unless... Unless I make her one of us. No! Take her, Louis! End her suffering! End yours! No. Yeah, get the vampire. No, this is one of the 
This is one of the most disgusting films I've ever seen in my life. And <laughs> I was, really? I genuinely, genuinely had to like stop it almost a couple of times. I got like uncomfortable watching what? uh what? especially the the early yeah, well, we'll get into this, but it really was like, man, this is this is gross. This really like grosses me out or like makes me uncomfortable. And I was surprised. <laughs> Mike, you never oh, man. So amazing uh, with your horror shit, man. It, I mean, <laughs> this like, is so to me, this is so tame. I mean, it's it's so tame. For a vampire movie, it's extremely tame. Yeah. Um, but, but like it, there's a lot of blood. It's tasteful, yeah. It's, it's right, tasteful. So tasteful people getting chopped in half. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get <laughs> take it from the top as always. I'll, I'll have plenty to tell you. I'll break that down for you momentarily. But Travis, you know, you chose this film, and there was a period of time where you were gothy, a little bit, <laughs> gothy. And uh, bit. so, tell us about that first viewing, Travis, because I'm sure you remember it well. I don't. I don't. Oh! Uh, I mean, it was 1994. Is that it came out? So I mean, uh, let's see. I I, I know that. What's that? I think I, I, I think I saw the theater. I know that I had a VHS copy of it. It's one that like I didn't like like record somewhere else. Like I I bought it um, pretty early on, so so I could watch the fuck out of it, which I did. And wow. I, I, I watched a lot of it, but it had been. I mean, it been since the '90s since I watched it easily. I mean, I, I it's been a long time. Wow. Um, so and so for that reason, I'm very for a few reasons. I'm I'm glad that I uh, chose it. Um, but I'm really curious to see what you guys have to say about it. Well, by you, Eric, I'm sure you remember the first time you saw this. And if you didn't, was it uh, a VHS repeat viewing or has it been decades? You know, I remember seeing the poster at Video Watch on uh, Grand River in uh, Brighton mm-hmm. before it was Hollywood Videos, Video Watch. And I just remember like Tom Cruise's like face. He was like a vampire. I'm like, what, what the fuck is this? Like, who cares? An interview? What is this? Like, uh, I was worried it was like a journalism movie. So I stayed away from it. The title does fuck you up. You're right. When I first heard of it, I'm like, what is this title? What? Yeah, yeah what is this title? So uh, that, that's that's literally the reason I stayed away from it. I'm like, I don't care about journalism movies. And like Tom Cruise is like weird face. I, I stayed away. Um, but, you know, I, I, I came around. I, I rented it. And I, I really don't remember first seeing it. But like as the years have gone by, I watch this easily once a year, if not more than once a year. So I'm super excited. My uh you know, I can't wait to sick my teeth into this conversation. I can't wait for us to post the Halloween pictures of, of you and Ange. Dude, uh, <laughs> yeah. We need to post that on our uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you guys did a great job with that. I forgot about that. That was like, that was intense. That was like uh, just peak as uh, Pennywise. Intense. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Very well done. Um, I had never seen this film oh. until two right. years ago. Oh, okay. I saw it at our good friend Aaron Worley's house. He mm-hmm. sat me down. He's like, I wa- I lived with him for a while, and we watched a lot of movies there. He's got a great entertainment setup. If you've ever been there, Travis, you have. I and have. Uh, yeah, so we settled in. I'm like, oh man, we're gonna watch this. I didn't really didn't want to watch it. And, <laughs> man, the first time I saw it, I was like, watching it this time, it went by a lot quicker, and it wasn't nearly as impactful as it was the first time I watched it. But the first time I was going through it all, I'm like, what did? What is this? What's happening? What? what <laughs> it really blew my mind, and I was. 38 years old you know so it did it did uh surprisingly stick with me and uh, so that was the first time i'd seen it and i didn't really plan to watch it again though i did recall like all right oh, i've seen that that's enough and but then travis brought it up so now here we are and as we take a look back in time uh this is a pretty well-respected film by fans obviously in case you don't know if somehow you've never heard this is based on Anne rice's 
uh, multiple novels, right? It's a there's many books, but there was one book, but they there's many books about Lestat, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's that's correct. Okay, yeah, so and Armand uh, and others, yeah, oh, all these characters, okay, yeah, or some of these characters. Louis, this is Louis's big turn, uh, as, as far mm -hmm. as I recall. Okay. Only but there actually is a book called Interview with the Vampire? Do they rename it? Yeah. It, it is called, like the movie, Interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Chronicles. And you could really get the sense watching the movie that they were set up to do Absolutely. more of these. They, they wanted to do more of these. And the, the, the stars just got too goddamn big probably for the budget. Because <laughs> so I remember thinking, like, like, this was the first movie I remember seeing Brad Pitt in as the star. Like, yeah. maybe California, I think, that I'd seen before this. Um, but I, but, and like, you know, I'd seen like Thelma and Louise and a couple of things, but this is the first time where I was like, okay, this guy's the star. Like that was kind of weird. Yeah, it's interesting. Star. Cause the first time I saw him as a star was the same year, but it was legends of the fall. Of the and fall. I had saw legends Christian. of the fall right away. Uh, yeah. also, it was a big year for him. 94 was like a breakout year. You're right. Year, seven and 95. So, um, yeah, that's okay. So on IMDb, do you guys know the scores or you already look them up? Oh, Christ. I yeah, I forgot. I forgot. I'm going to say this has to be up seven, nine. Yeah, I'm going to say 7-1. Uh, oh, okay. Well, uh, Eric went over. So Travis oh. wins. It's 7.5 right in the middle there. That's a, right. a rock-solid rating with about 300,000 right. ratings. And with the Rotten Tomatoes scores, this is interesting. This is one of the bigger gulfs that we've had. We have 63% from the critics. 63. <laughs> wow. um, does anybody care to quickly share why that would be the case? Do you guys recall? Because I don't remember critical response it's sensationalism i remember it was all just about the cast what the fuck is tom cruise doing brad pitt is sleepwalking it was just sensationalized about how silly it was and the homoeroticism it was fucking 1994 as a, a yeah. archaic time for oh. for homoeroticism in movies they were that's true and all, all anybody talked about was like how like 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 oh my god like like Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas almost kissed. Yeah. They their faces were so <laughs> close to each other. In that uh, movie. Razzie, oh yeah, Razzie for best uh, couple. Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Fuck that, man. Really? Yeah. Wow. Holy that's shit! Wow. Okay, well, that's yeah. an interesting tidbit. I did that's how fickle Hollywood is. Give it twenty years, and then oh, wow. You were okay, so, you were groundbreaking. So on the flip side, then. The audience score is 86. That's a very, very, very good score. So there's, and that's over almost 500,000 ratings now. So it's a strong, strong disagreement from the critics. I mean, the critics aren't like totally roasting it, but it's probably of the movies we've done recently. Maybe Margot the Wedding was lower. <laughs> I don't remember. That's more critic scores we've had overall. Yeah. And as far as how the critics feel about the film, well, yeah, we got to take a look at some of our old pals, see how they're doing. Where's we can check in. Where is he? We're looking for Destin. I mean, Destin. these are really. Let's get down to it. These are the people that we're actually interested it's in. Experience. <laughs> uh, Destin. Oh, here's Roger. Okay, so this is uh, many years ago. This is back in the '90s. My complaint about the film is that not very much happens in the plot sense. Oh, I I'm, I completely disagree with him. I, I'm the then the complete 180 of his opinion. I think it's too plot heavy for its own good. Wow, okay. I would like to hear more about that momentarily. But Destin Thompson's here, and he says, Splat! <laughs> energy starts to drain like blood from a vampire's victim. Destin! No. Oh, you'll, oh, you'll feel that ebb sooner or later as you begin to glance regularly at your watch. Oh, wow. wow. He's disappointed. Oh, as... All right, well, maybe he's not a big horror fan either. I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think we should look at his trend. And here's one more, a pretty famous critic, Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Uh, for all its visionary brilliance, uh-oh, the movie version of Interview never lets us close enough to see ourselves in Louis. We're dazzled, but unmoved. Yeah. So, there are some uh, critical responses, uh, a couple of negative ones from the big hitters. Uh, I, I want to go back to this point, Eric. So it's there's too much plot going on, you're saying. It is. It. <laughs> It's almost like it, um, it at the same time it like goes too fast and yet it feels very kind of dull and boring, but it feels like it's moving fast. They stuff so much in. It's just this happens and then this happens and this happens and this this happens. There's no air to really breathe. The characters very rarely just sit there and ponder the circumstances that are happening to them, especially in that second act is unforgivable in that second act when Armand gives him the choice between staying there with them or, or, or and leaving Claudia or going away with Claudia. There isn't one scene where he even has to think about that choice that defines his entire character because his mm. whole personality is about discovery. That's his whole journey, journey, wanting to discover whether he's evil or not. Armand offers him the choice. There's nothing. There's no scene. It's just, oh, yeah, whatever. He probably said, we're out of here. They kill about That thing happens over and over and over again. It's plot beat, plot beat, plot beat. Right, like when, when, like when Lestat... I mean, obviously we're doing spoilers, guys. Yeah. Um, like, like when Lestat, uh, they when they think that they've killed him, and oh. like we needed more time with them without Lestat. Like he's back, he's back in like two scenes or something. Did you time it? I timed it. Two and a half minutes. He's just back. Wow. Yeah, the, the movie really could have stood to actually be without his presence for a little bit longer yeah. in those moments. Like he's almost too big for the movie, which is a yeah. good thing. But I, I agree. Like. This, this movie could have been three hours long and with God, more yeah. pacing, and I would have I would have been happy with that. In fact, in a lot of ways, it feels like the first two two and a half episodes of like a twelve yeah. series arc. Twelve episodes. Interesting. Series. Wow. Well, it's directed by Neil Jordan, who has a Ooh. long list of credits. Uh, Crying Game. That's something I remember big of his. Uh, dude, dude, High Spirits. Come on. <laughs> I never saw it. Never saw High Spirits. Spirit. Love it. Love High, High Spirits. The Gook. It's so good. Well, I'll have to check out High Spirits. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize, audience, for not watching <laughs> High Spirits. However, uh, I mean, Louis is just so fucking annoying. He's so annoying. Okay. And that was one of the first things that stood out to me when I f originally watched the film. I'm like, God damn it. This guy's not like deep and philosophical. He's just a fucking baby. And he, he never annoyed me. He never annoyed me until this viewing. Really? Like, I, yeah, I, I never really picked up on. I mean, maybe because I was a pretty mopey teenager, I never picked <laughs> up on how on, on how mopey and self pitying he was for how much he lamented his own choices and blamed others for them. Yes. Um, like, but like maybe like maybe that's what we're supposed to get from the character. Like, yeah. and I just wasn't getting that lesson the way I should have before. And also, it's so funny because Tom, uh, you know, Brad Pitt was miserable making this movie. He tried to get out of it and like it would have cost him like millions of dollars to get out of it. So he was genuinely miserable making the movie and it really shows and it works for the performance. You didn't even warn them, did you? No. And you knew what I would do? I knew. I rescued you, didn't I? Mm. From the terrible dawn. You were their leader. They trusted you. You made me see their failures, Louis. They were doomed, 
stuck in their decadent time. And they had forgotten the first lesson, that we must be powerful, beautiful, and without regret. And you can teach me this? Yes. To be without regret? Yes. Then what a pair we could make. <laughs> but what if it's a lesson I don't care to learn? What do you mean? What if all I have is my suffering? My regret? Don't you want to lose it? So you can have that too. The heart that mourns her. Her that you burnt to a cinder. Louis, where I Ah, but I know you did. I know. You regret nothing. You feel nothing. If that's all I have left to learn, I can do that on my own. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm, I know that like they drive home his character very, very, very deeply. Like this is who this guy is. He's not going to change. And he's, he's the one who fucked over Claudia. It's his fault. He's, the yeah. one I mean, so he creates this whole process of her death. He is ultimately responsible to, in my opinion, right. and he never exactly. sees it that way. And if he does see it that way, he's like, Oh, well, that's I love taking on that burden, so I'm just gonna <laughs> smoke with it, and I'm yeah. never gonna try to change it. He said he wanted to die when he was a human. He's like, let me die, but then he's like, given the choice to die when he's bitten by Lestat, and he's like, yes, I'm in. What? He's got zero accountability. I mean, he's got zero accountability. He totally <laughs> murders Claudia, and yeah. and then blames Lestat for it. And and again, Lestat even gives him the choice again, like yeah. live with your actions. You could you could let her die now, and he just turns and walks away and lets and lets Lestat change him and, yeah. or change her. And then like and and then he like is upset with Lestat that he, that he has to kill. And don't get me wrong, like I don't want to kill people. I couldn't kill people, but I also wouldn't make the choice to be a vampire because I understand that's part and parcel of being a goddamn vampire. So like him complaining about it the whole time, like, all right, what the fuck ever. But then when he finally like, okay, we're going to commit ourselves to scouring the world to find other immortals. And then they finally find him and they kill someone. And he's like, monsters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with his, this yeah. pronouncement, like, dude, what did you expect? <laughs> what yeah. did you think? What do you think was, was going to like, what did you think was going to happen? They were all going to be drinking uh, <laughs> like fucking that V shit from true blood. Like, no, man. <laughs> You drink blood. Yeah, I mean, that, that the philosophy of Louis is one thing. I mean, he spends the entire movie just basically being a, an observer to the circumstances. You get some energy in the beginning, why he's turned, how he learns to live with it, and then at the very end when he kills the uh, troop, the vampires, and all that, and they miss it. I mean, at the very end, I didn't really catch it till this time. He tells Malloy, the boy played by Christopher Slater, that he. All he does now is uh, feed off the people that cross his path, 
that's a huge story element in and of itself. When did he decide that I'm yeah. going to be resigned to what I am and just start killing people? We don't see that. Yeah. There's so much time that flies by us because we're talking hundreds of years and they just gloss over things where we'd, we would like to get it. 200 years. They go from 1780 in Paris to, I yeah. no, don't get me wrong. I fucking love this movie, but that's a problem. 200 years go by in like, you know, two, two seconds of dialogue. Yeah, and the, the movie's not really about. I mean, like the, he's he's like, I'm going to tell you the story of my life, but he doesn't tell the story of his life. He he tells uh he tells about like a 50 year period, pretty much. Yeah. And mm -hmm. why why does he tell the story? Well, because of Claudia, I think. I think that ultimately, like Claudia is his big regret. She was like his daughter and his lover in a way, mm -hmm. um, and his you know, and I think that he you know, I think that's what it is, and and. and that and it's a, a way for him to paint Lestat as the bad guy because Lestat is the villain in this story, right? But he's not much of a villain, even though he's murdering no. people. Don't, don't he's, wrong. he's the only but character in the context that, of vampirism. He he owns it, right? Yeah, go ahead. That, that's what I love about him. him. His his conviction in his own philosophy. He says that evil has. It's like. Um, he says, God kills indiscriminately, and so shall we. For no creatures under God are as we are, none so like him as ourselves. It's easy to, uh, to miss that, but it says everything. Vampires transcend God and the devil. They transcend good and evil. Lestat sees it. He says, I enjoy killing. What's the difference? You can't judge me. I am my own being. And He's Lestat a predator. just fucking complains about it. Yeah, He's I like a force it. of nature. So good. Yeah, and I, I really feel bad for him. I can't believe I feel bad for him because he's kind of annoying for a while there it's like this guy's always in your face <laughs> he is always very yeah. patient with louis especially in the beginning in the early days there he does constantly <laughs> try to please him he fills up he kills the woman and fills the wine glass of blood for him to drink here you go you don't want to kill her i'm doing the dirty work and then he throws it in his face he's such a Dick. I know, and, that, and that woman, like she's like she's having a horrible death. Like just you yeah. know, Lestat is going to kill her. You know that she's not walking out of there. Like it would be a mercy, but it, 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 like by the time like she realizes that what's going on, you know what I mean? Like as soon as the terror sets in, he's but, a coward. Like, but he, but yeah, he has no conviction. He's got no accountability. He, he's someone that probably should have tur been turned into a vampire. But honestly, I think that is Lestat's fault <laughs> at the end because you, why would of all people would, who that you'd want to make live forever would you take a suicidal person and be like, I'm going to make you live forever? That's pretty fucking twisted. Yeah. Didn't yeah. really work out that great for you, Lestat. He fell in love with his physical. He saw this guy. This, this guy's yeah. despondent. He's at the bar. He wants to be killed. So he's. It's. I mean, it's a very blatant scene about, hey, this guy wants to die. Okay. And then the guy doesn't shoot him because he doesn't have the conviction. And that guy ends up actually being just like Louis in the end. The convictions are never there. And he's just a physical specimen. He's a gorgeous man. He, would make a, is, he looks like he'd be a great vampire, but inside <laughs> he doesn't have what it takes at all. And that this is the guy but it's even more, I mean, that if you think that's arbitrary, the throwaways, which I love and it's fun. Like, why does he turn the interviewer into a vampire? It's just so arbitrary. The thing oh, about these vampires is they should, like, really be adhered to who they decide to turn. That should be a huge thing, not just, like, randomly being like, hey, I'm going to give you this choice. Yeah, I, I, I think that was more despite Louis. I think that that was... Um... You know what I mean? Because I, I think that oh, for, I like, like this that. is your this is your confidant. This is someone you thought was going to tell your story, um, and and probably Lestat was listening the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing, and because so probably we don't and know probably, how long he visited him before that. Like when Louis visits him in that right. little show. we don't know how long a time that is before he actually meets up with the interviewer, right? 
we we don't we don't know but but still we do know that the, that he knows that who the interviewer is and and that Louis told him his story so i'm guessing that like he was creeping around listening or right. at least caught, caught enough of it and at the very end of the whole thing he, if he if he was he would have caught the part where 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 christian slater's character asked to be turned so yeah. so, so it would be like um oh louis you don't want to do this you don't want you know you 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 want to shirk the gift that i gave you that i gave you three fucking chances to turn down um and so, like, I will turn the guy. So next time you see him, the guy you thought that you turned into your confidant, I turned into my, you know, my new apprentice. So that's a great point. Thank you, Travis. You nailed it. Yes. So let's let that. I just want to talk about that ending. Then we can move to the end there because is that necessary? Like, I felt like it was forced. Like they want to throw in just a little more Tom Screws. Cruise screen time at the very end, and suddenly he looks better. Are we uh, to be led to believe that he could look better and improve if he started feeding on humans because he's been feeding on like shit animals? I thought he was permanently disfigured because all of a sudden he looks pretty damn good in that Corvette in the light of the night. I think it just takes him a long time to heal, like a lot more blood, like it's it? a, like a long recovery. Um, because he wasn't just it wasn't just the drinking of the blood and the coming back from the um, uh. The burning and the it was, yeah, it was the burning too, right? There was there was, there was a lot that he had to recover from. So like I imagine it might take a while because because he was an old vampire, but he wasn't like the oldest vampire, and so you know, like an essence thing. Like they need to get they need to regain like this essence and not just like more blood and more blood. different then. I was a man at that age. The master of a large plantation just south of New Orleans. I had lost my wife and child. Somebody changed my shorts. She and the infant had been buried less than half a year. It's good stuff. I would have been happy to join them. Good stuff. I assume I need no introduction. the thing though like and i understand that the novel could probably dive into much more detail and explain things to us the movie can't doesn't necessarily have time for that but i don't even know what the rules are like uh who can be killed they, they say the biggest crime is to kill another or one's yeah. own kind kill your own kind he's got that dumb face stephen ray oh. in this film versus oh, stephen so ray in the uh, v for Vendetta. Oh, yeah. No, v for that. They're just so different. He's the same person, but this it just shows the range. <laughs> bozo, wide-eyed, pie-eyed bozo in this film. And then in he's, the V for Vendetta, scary. he's like, full and depressed. 
It's he's so the good. scariest of all the vampires in this movie. I think he's scarier oh, than yeah. Stein. Yeah, so he's unpredictable. So, creepy. Yeah, he's so Santiago is so unpredictable yeah. and just a wild card. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but let's like, talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, but I still just want to. So let's close in on that point. So I was really surprised. I had seen the movie and I forgot that Tom Cruise pops in and bites Christian Slater's neck at the end. And do you guys think that was thrown in or was that always part of this story? That's in the book. That And Anne Rice oh. wrote the screenplay. Although. According to some sources, Neil Jordan did a lot of doctoring of it as he went yeah. along. But okay. um, but that is in the book. And in fact, in the in this in like later stories, like the the character, I forget his name, um, like he recurs as, as far as I recall. Like he, mm. he ends up being like a you know, he comes in and out. Like well, it seems like they just want to throw it in there. So I was wrong about that. Okay, good. Uh what do you want to say? You want to lead into something else? I, I kind of I wanted to get back more into the acting of it all. Um, oh, no. I, I, I still I want to get into like the set design and all this other stuff too. But I I, mm-hmm. I do want to focus on the acting. Like since we were talking a bit briefly about Lestat's introduction, like from the moment Tom Cruise is on the screen, like the the the, the, the the hand movements are so lingering and sensual. Is he just like drags them across like the woodwork mm-hmm. of the balcony and stuff? Like everything he's doing is so languid <laughs> and like yeah. just it's it's such a and like the it's really one of the the best performances of his career. And it, it, and it's it's the one that I, for me it was one where I was like holy shit this guy could actually really fucking act like i knew rain man was good and he'd done some stuff that was like okay but this is the first time where i was like wait a minute this guy and i know we've like this is partly why i didn't necessarily want to bring up this movie again or like uh make this the movie because we just gush Tom about Bruce, Tom Tom Bruce, Bruce, all the Bruce, fucking Tom time Bruce. but the man is such an amazing actor i don't know about his personal life but my god you don't know i mean don't i'm care. not gonna say do i don't want to go into it i don't want to go into it i mean but that aside uh, as far as his talent goes, like he's so amazing. He's so and Rice didn't even want him to do it. And she wrote right. a letter of apology because <laughs> he was so good. I think there was yeah. a lot of resistance to him. Wasn't he supposed to be taller and like more? Yeah, yeah she was like Tom Cruise, the short motherfucker. And is he supposed to be French, though, by the way? Right. I mean, does that matter to anybody? There's the French. There's no accents here. It's all just thrown out. These people live in Nolens. Brad Pitt's supposed to be Creole. There's no Creole. Accent. <laughs> <laughs> just like throwing all that part out. But it's, so, I, go ahead. it's the essence of the character and we haven't talked really about Anne Rice herself who is like a you know there's so much to her as a as a writer and everything but she I, she always explains the character of Lestat as being this brat prince and just those two words are like Cruz sells both of those things so well he's like this asshole imp he re- he reminds me of like uh like a roommate that like you just signed another year lease with that like you know that it's going to be a fucking rough year like he spends a whole year like this catty bitchy asshole but he's so perfect in it he tom cruise never phones in a performance say what you will about his personal life he never ever phones it in and his conviction in here is just it's so fun yeah so he he might not be um you know like giving the most french accent which also he's supposed to be 200 years i could I can believe yeah. that he'd lost the accent if he wanted to while he's in America. Sure. Exactly. Armand yeah. can't do that in 400, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, so the acting, like the emotion is very authentic, yeah. but the I want to get into the looks of this movie. I mean, the oh, set yeah. design, the it's so gorgeous, oh. man. Like it just looks so 
amazing from like the scene when they're walking out under the docks and you see all the ships and all that shit. I mean, from the moment you see Brad Pitt from behind, even his hair, like even though it's supposed to take place in the 1990s at that point, his hair even looks like it's from the 18th century. Um, The, the, I want to talk really quickly about the costume designer, a woman named Sandy Powell, who's Mm -hmm. uh, who's also known for the the young Victoria far from heaven, Shakespeare in love. She did uh, the Irishman was nominated for that. Um, she just killed it in this fucking movie. It looks so amazing. Um, and the, and I, the set design, everything, it's just like, it's, it's a very immersive world almost immediately. It's, it's like the Southern Gothic, like what you'd expect, but like, it is, uh, you were just like, every scene just drips with like this very real physicality. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I wasn't familiar with her, but I actually went out of my way to look her up. Uh, Francesca. Shivo did Aviator. She's the set uh, designer she in this killed film. It. And Aviator is a, a great film uh, that has a credible set design. So she clearly has a pedigree. Uh, she's done Cold Mountain. and So she's oh, really, yeah, really she can go into like any period, it seems like, and really help you recreate your sets and uh, the art design. Very well done. I completely agree. It's, it's, it's atmosphere. I mean, this has to be top, easily top five movies that just creates an atmosphere and a mood from the first just 30 seconds that stays with you throughout the entire movie and it's pure gothic horror it yeah. reminds me of the innocence it's from 1961 this jack clayton film that's quintessential gothic horror not scary just really creepy and haunting and it's a huge testament to that and the costumes like when the stats all old his his clothes look like you could just reach out of the screen and touch him and they just crumble into dust yeah. oh yeah. it's so good and I want talking about that first thirty seconds again, like the that shot to, to, to praise Neil Jordan, like it's such a way to start a movie, like, and you kind of get like this sense, like there's no point anywhere in the movie where someone turns into a, a bat. Thank you, yeah. thank God, yeah. there's no flying. But at the same time, you do get this feeling like you are yourself flying through San Francisco yeah. and then oh, landing on on on. I mean, like the, the the it just looks so amazing in a time before drones. Uh, drone footage being possible like it looks mm-hmm. so good and the movie looks so good throughout the cinematography also um really really good but eric when you when you talk about atmosphere we need to talk about uh, elliot goldenthal's elliot award-winning or nominated uh score is so <laughs> good <laughs> what was, wait what was that do it again <laughs> yeah that's it that's the one yeah, uh, yeah, score didn't strike me as much, obviously. I'm what? what? Yeah, I mean, oh, I thought it was like, I, you know what it was, though, is I was just distracted by some of the, there's a lot going on. You guys just described it. The set pieces, the acting, the sounds, all of the um, senses are being, like, totally blown out in this film. And it's possible that sometimes you just can't take it all in at once. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's how I felt to certain parts of the movie. I, I, I did notice at times, like, oh, this is nice. It makes sense. And the acting, though, I think deserves. I think Kirsten Dunst's this little girl is so amazing, and I I have such a respect for these kids, these children. Yeah, who can act that well? It's so bizarre, man. It's so amazing. She's yeah. like some of it's a little cheesy. Sometimes she goes really quickly from like I hate you to I love you, but that's also like how kids can be at times. Some of these Claudia are so old, tattered. Throw them away. I will then. 
have you done? What you told me to do? Leave a corpse here to rot? I wanted her! I wanted to meet her! She's not! Well, this is the very house we live in! Do you want me to be a dog forever? Claudia, don't. She's an adult now, and she's an old. She's a grown ass woman, so she That's doesn't care anymore. She was supposed but. to be, you know, in her late thirties when you, towards the end of the film, and she plays it like she's an older vampire. I mean, yeah, I, her her arc is just so good. Oh, I absolutely believe that she's an older woman in, in that in that young body. It makes me think of when I first saw um, what's her name, Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, she was in this TV show called oh, The yeah. Intruders, where she she was she was she was, no, she was like nine years old in the show called The Intruders, and she was ba- playing like an eighty year old man that had taken over her body. Oh um, and I remember just seeing this movie and being like, "This woman is going to be an Academy Award winner someday." And I thought the exact same thing when I saw Kirsten Dunst, and uh, I don't know if she's won yet, but she probably still will. Kirsten Dunst is a powerhouse. No, she hasn't. Okay, I don't think she's ever won. Many, she is uh... a powerhouse actor, man. And, yeah, I, she, she's, I mean, she's got it in her. Really know what to do she seems good. What's that? It seems like they don't really know what to do with her these days. Yeah, that, I was just gonna say that like she is a great actress, but they kind of after um like Sunshine and that period where she got to do um uh, the Marie Antoinette was it the Sofia Coppola retelling of yeah that like the aughts it seems like she kind of mm-hmm. got lost in this last decade and missed opportunities for her to be in great roles, which I think rightfully rightfully should have happened but it doesn't seem like yeah. they necessarily did can you think of anything from the last 10 years that you were like oh wow kirsten dunce was like, well isn't she uh she's a scuss of tv show or something right now does she not uh, i'm becoming a, i'm becoming a god in sent i'm becoming a god in central florida yeah i haven't um, seen that one yeah right. but and she's popped up in a couple other things she was at midnight special which is a pretty damn good yeah. movie that was a uh what's his name yeah, nichols film. nichols film um she's she's but she's also seen to have kind of deliberately kind of been absent maybe she's a yeah, mother maybe, yeah who knows I've, you're right we have no idea what she's doing but this is an incredible performance her and tom yeah. cruise and even um i think banderas is great in this film he's yeah. like understated armand. he doesn't try yeah he's a great armand and he seems like a guy that i i actually like his character even though i 
I know he, he didn't know what to do. He's in a tough spot. Like he's yeah. with all these scumbags, you know, and I it's like, I think he's a bit of a scumbag himself. Oh, oh he's really? a, he's scu- he's maybe the scummiest bag in the whole movie. He's what? Listen to Claudia and Madeline getting dragged to that yeah, pit he, of hell. Ex- exactly. He, he, yeah, because he, he didn't he, have the control. Well, oh. but but still, I mean, he he probably could have stopped it if he wanted to, and, he, right. and even if he couldn't, um, he still oh. turned on his entire crew. Like I see 30, it right now. Like his whole family, basically. He's just like, hey, I just met this new vampire who I think is really hot. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> kill. I'm gonna let him kill everyone that I've known for however many. I mean, like it's a ton of vampires kill your own kind not supposed to do that <laughs> not supposed to do that what was that vampire. i, I kind of liken him to someone like the joker who sees his crew as just these just these clowns so just just wait them all and start over with louis i think yeah. where his mind was at what yeah. i just had a revelation about though travis when you said that is not the that he let the whole crew go that that was clear. kill your own kind <laughs> Wasn't he? Uh, he wanted Louis for himself, so he did allow them to die. He that, pr- yes. that's very Complicit. like he was. He knew he would save Louis, which he did, and nobody stopped him. You're right. So now that I look at it like that, you're right. Yeah, and he, also that moment when he saves Louis, and, he, and he's the Edgar Allan Poe movie moment where he's like breaking down the wall, and he's like you know reverse cask of Amontillado, and and Goldenthal's score does that oh. sting where it's just oh. like pure dance macabre by. Uh, Oh, what's a saint? A saint? I can't think of the composer, but like the, Hall- the Halloween, you know, that yeah. fucking classic violin song. It's so clearly influenced by that, but it just like works so well. It's so manic and intense. Oh. It is. I'll give you that. No. I'll give you that completely. Yeah, and the fact know. that they all stand around him too when he walks to, he wants to go see, uh, yeah. if she, you know, yeah. they all, they're all right there. I was like, what? They're all there. And they let him staring at him, and he's looking at them as he walks to see the parish remains of Claudia and the woman. I think it was a painful decision on Armand's uh, part. I think it's yeah. likely that he knew he was never going to convince Louis to leave Claudia, so he had to have Claudia be out of the picture for him to be able to join him. So it was probably a really fucking tough decision. But yeah, he's I just like Lestat. Yeah, I don't think it was painful at all. I think he wanted to have his cake and eat it too, and just have. Uh, I disagree really? with that, but I, I think that Lestat and him have similarities, and they both misjudge Louis. Everybody misjudges Louis. They just can't get it right. <laughs> can we can we talk real quickly about another great moment that we're kind of on here when when he tips over all of the uh, when he puts the lighter fluid or whatever like the oil on all the caskets and he tips over that candle. I mean, Brad Pitt's had a lot of badass action moments like in cinema, but the look on his face when he so just impassively sets them all on fire. <sighs> and turns around with that scythe which is a little heavy-handed type of fucking scythe it's an impractical <laughs> weapon but st- but still very like, large cumbersome yeah yeah <laughs> unwieldy <laughs> but he turns around and like it's just it, that whole moment it's just like so like he like oh the guy that doesn't kill he's ready to fucking kill and, yeah. he, and he and he really kills it's pretty cool. i also don't believe that in that scenario as it's staged that he would beat Santiago. I very, very think that Santiago was much smarter than him and has had a lot more experience, and I think he would have took him out. And that's what underestimated him, which everyone does do. Okay. It's not every day you come across a, a side being a face-to-face with Yeah, you. but he's like... <laughs> what do you even do? Santiago's do you the, he's magical. He knows how to walk on walls and disappear and pop in. He's, it's the fact that he pops right into the side. Whatever, that's dumb. But I don't care. That's not no, the most I mean, important part of the film, but Brad I feel Pitt Santiago's... Got, got a lot of shit for being like 
sleepwalking through the role that is super somber and he's more of an observer or anything. I personally think Brad Pitt does a really fucking good job, even with what he has. And there's a big yeah. difference between how he acts back in the day and how he interacts with Christian Slater. He's the, he's more resigned to how he is. He's got a little bit of a sense of humor, a little twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Yeah. So I think and there's the, a lot of complex layers we're not noticing on the offset. And that should have been River uh, Phoenix, by the way, for those of you that don't know. River Phoenix uh, was slated for that role, and Christian Slater took it, and I think he donated his salary to charity. Oh, that's to the Phoenix family, yeah. Which um, is a very nice uh, story. And that is beautiful. And to get back real quick to um, the severed and half corpse of Stephen Ray. Um, <laughs> We uh we gotta give uh some 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 credit still to, to Stan Winston uh the special yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I mean the Thank way you. this movie looks is just, I mean from the subtle things to like when he steps <sighs> into the light in the beginning and like like and Christian Slater buys that he's a vampire. I would too. Oh. Like there's no like I don't have to suspend my disbelief yeah. there. Like, he like that one vein that it's not it's actually fairly subtle. Like yeah. he, mm-hmm. could, he could yeah. pass for human in, in the shadows, but like as soon as you see him in the light, like. But then, but, but then they can come in really heavy-handed too, with like charred corpses and, and <laughs> yeah. cut in half, and and the yeah. corpse that that Lestat dances around the room with, oh, which is God. the comedy highlight of the entire film. Let's no, be honest. Yeah. Please help us. Pa left us and didn't come back. Please wake my mom is My philosopher, my martyr, never take human life. Oh, yes, this calls for a celebration. Non piombrai farfalone amarozzo, notte giorno di torno girando. There's still life in the old lady yet! Come back! You are what you are! Merciful death. Now you love your precious gift. Her blood coursed through my veins, sweeter than life itself. And as it did, Lestat's words made sense to me. I knew peace only when I killed. And when I heard her heart in that terrible rhythm, I knew again what peace could be. you, Louis, follow the corpses of rats. Pain is terrible for you. 
You feel it like no other creature because you are a vampire. You don't want it to go on. No. Then do what it is in your nature to do. And you will feel as you felt with that child in your arms. Evil is a point of view. God kills indiscriminately. And so shall we. For no creatures under God are as we are, none so like him as ourselves. I have a gift for you. Come. Please. <laughs> yeah, I think that's missed in the uh, chaos of the moment. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, th- but yeah, yeah, the special effects again. This like it, it takes a village, and uh, this movie is got a lot of really talented hands in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It, it is covered in elite performers in every area of Hollywood filmmaking. I think it's fair to say that uh, for the most part. But we should talk about the uh, homoeroticism in this film because it's now 2020, and this was obviously, as we mentioned when we were talking about the criticisms of the film. Some of the reasons that it got, you know, kind of dismissed by some critics because people are idiots, you know, and this is just how society works. But is it obvious? It's blatant because I only really got the intention that maybe Armand and Louis were into each other. I never quite saw that Lestat was maybe Lestat wants to fuck everything. That's very possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or nothing. Pansexual. Or I mean. nothing. I think the vampires come across as completely asexual and they transcend the idea of sexuality and look at each other as purely beautiful creatures. Yeah, that's I think a good that's question, obvious actually. from the onset. Do these things have sex? Because they don't actually have sex ever. Do these I, vampires have sex or they just I don't kill? Know. It's just a weapon, maybe. You yeah, know, I don't. A, a lure. I'm really baffled by that. A bait. Um, but I do feel like the scene where um, Louis and Lestat, where Lestat takes Louis up into the sky, because um, oh, there is some flying in the movie after all. Yeah. It, yeah. it is. It is. Uh, it's a. It's a beautiful sure. scene. It's really well done, and it really feels like the visual representation of a climax. Like it feels very orgasmic. It's, it's not, not as blatant scene. as like the naked gun sex scene. Well, it's like the little death, right? That's that's what the French call uh, an orgasm, right? And he's dying. It definitely, but not all the way. It definitely, and it's, it's the first time, like he's in his embrace. It's not the only, yeah. time. which by the way, you know, Brad Pitt apparently has a really bad record, like like in multiple movies of not wearing deodorant <laughs> yep. and filming in uh, Louisiana. Uh, like like Tom Cruise had yep. like stopped filming multiple times and complain about, yeah. <laughs> about the Even Mr. Nice deodorant. Guy, Tom Cruise, you know, congratulates <laughs> a PA on set to not handle it. I don't think Tom <laughs> Cruise believed speaks. in deodorant. Isn't that against Scientology? No, I think I think he wears the odor. I, mean, oh. I don't know. But, that, but that's, that's the pivotal scene. I mean, he's turning him into a vampire, but you know, you can also see it as him turning his his sexuality possibly uh, in that in that scene, the turning scene. I think there's more of a. a I was really hooked into kind of the addiction and like drug influence of it, and I'm thinking to myself. You could probably even remake this movie as like a drug movie where someone who's suicidal gets taken on by a mentor that's addicted to heroin and he gets him on heroin and they meet a young girl and blah, blah, blah. Same story, but with drugs. Do an animated version. Get the Don Bluth company behind it. (laughs) There it is. Great call. That's a great call. Wow. Yeah, we've been talking about this movie for a while. This is so many facets of this film. Um, 
I think we do need to start to come to a conclusion, though, oh. gentlemen. You can get your final thoughts in, but I mean, it's 2020 now. This movie's 26 years old, and I think this is a film that is so interesting. Like, you could watch this again oh. and again for many decades to come because there's so many interesting little tales in between the characters and the set design uh, yes. and the periods they are in. So they do travel through a lot of different periods, like we said. And, Too many? Uh, Does it drag, Mike? I mean, for me, when they go to Paris, that almost seems like the first yeah. 20 minutes of a completely different movie, if not the sequel to it. So It seems a little flat when they do that, but it does move quickly through, like... The kind of comeuppance that happens to Claudia, like that doesn't. They get there and it's like, oh great, we're gonna set a table again. But it doesn't necessarily stagnate. Yeah, it kind of exactly. all right. Here's Armand. Here's these bozos. Now we're gonna get into, you know, you killed someone else. We're gonna get you back. And I thought it moved fairly quickly in that part. But, Good point. Yeah. So, um, Travis, you can say anything else you want, but I think we uh we got to get your final opinion on this. Well, I mean, so it is an imperfect movie. Like there are moments where I'm like, uh, I feel like things feel a little rushed or or that kind of thing. There is definitely like at the end, I love the moment where Lestat like plucks the lacy what have you out from underneath of his sleeves. And like you get like the harpsichord sound like he's still <laughs> he's still old school. Um, but if you pay attention, they're driving into the sunrise, which seems like a bad idea. So <laughs> <laughs> there are moments like where just I feel like there's they could have paid closer attention. Maybe I don't know. Um, oh wait, 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 real quick. So, do you think Louis was ready to die because he was going to be in the sunlight when uh, Armand saved him after he burned everybody? You think he was ready to just give himself up there? Because remember, he's out there in the streets and the sun's up. Yeah, coming up. probably. He didn't give a sh I mean, he's been suicidal for like 100 years or whatever at that point. <laughs> huh. Okay, interesting. I hadn't, Sorry. I hadn't really thought about it, but that is a good question. Yeah, um, I think it was yeah, shell-shocked. His only mission from after Claudia died was to kill those fuckers, and then whatever happens, happens. But he's a vampire. It's not easy to kill his ass. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, my, my take on, on the movie overall is that, like, I feel it moves like it moves along at a pretty good clip. I wish that there had been the the proper sequels the way it could have gone, but those actors, all three of those guys, just got way too big after this movie. Not necessarily because of this movie, although this movie didn't hurt. Um, if they were just too big for 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 that story, I guess, um, or too busy anyway. So uh, I'm I'm glad that we got a you know I'm starting to get into the Halloween spirit. So I wanted to like yeah. pick a, a horror movie. I probably will pick a horror movie again for the next time. <laughs> Um, so I had not watched it in like 20, 25 years. I'm very glad to have watched it again. Uh, I, while it's not in some ways, it doesn't hold up in quite as being like as amazing as it was to me when I was 14. Uh, it does very much hold up as a, uh, just a good piece of dramatic fiction, a good vampire, like a great vampire movie stuff with great performances, a lot of talented hands, as I said, like on yeah. every step on every level. So I'm giving it the big thumbs up. It holds up. Wow. Okay. Well, Thank that makes God. sense. I, I, thought, uh, I think that's a fair assessment. What about you, Eric? I think uh, we know where you're going to go with this. Let's put it this way. Uh, while uh, like the GNR cover of Sympathy with the Devil is playing, and mm -hmm. comes downstairs, like, oh, shit, I love this movie. I would have wanted to watch it. I literally would have started it from the beginning and watched it again immediately. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Uh, yeah. We didn't talk enough about or, or at all about Anne Rice, but this is a woman who writes this book in the mid 70s, a couple years after her daughter Michelle dies of uh, granulocytic leukemia, 
And the doctors tell her, the only thing that can tell her is that there's something wrong with her blood. That's all they can really say about it. So Anne Rice goes into mourning and she writes this story about loss that is just Dickensian in, in its beauty and its mythology. Uh, she provides a screenplay, which is just so beautiful. Uh, the acting is off the charts. The cinematography, the music, we blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all before. But it does what so many other movies about vampires don't do. There's no Dracula with a longing for just like this beautiful woman to love. There's no like enemy like Van Helsing trying to kill them. It's them versus themselves. It does so many things in such a unique way. And it's told so beautifully. It's two hours and I could have sat there for another hour. I could sit there for a 10 hour miniseries. I love it. It absolutely holds up. Ooh, Netflix, you listening? Miniseries. Uh, yeah, you guys said it all. It's a really well done film. And I think it holds up. And for the reasons that you just described too, that it doesn't, you know, the, the fact that they make fun of uh, the stake in the heart and yeah. you know, shit like that. I like that. I'm like, okay, cool. So this is not trying to fall into myths and cliche and routine. And they're trying to tell their own story and recreate a world of vampires in their own way and Anne Rice is the master of that she's created it and she's made a she's turned a sad situation for herself into a fine uh, career and not only that she's told great stories that other people can share in and it creates a physical world when you have movies that people can actually see it so you, you never know you never know what inspiration will strike you even if it's something that seems like you're the most despondent person in the world after something happens so I'm glad that that's how the tale worked out and I don't know. Doesn't it seem like we should be getting some? I mean, was there any? There was never another. Wasn't there another Anne Rice movie done? That, uh, oh, yeah, there's it, a couple at least. Uh, yeah, there's a couple. I think uh, there was least least Anne, the main Yeah, but the, the, I, the, none of them looked very good. They weren't. Um, they weren't nearly the same kind of budget or oh. acting caliber or like any. It, it was just they were just Anne Rice movies. They weren't sequels to this movie really okay well it feels like uh there's an opportunity sitting there right now then because uh, maybe maybe we already the vampire craze already blew up i mean we kind of maybe twilight and all that shit and uh <laughs> kind of jumped the shark so maybe people needed a break i don't know but give me jared leto as lestat put me on amazon or netflix i'm there <laughs> i watched that uh, that, that sounds really annoying, but that's, I'll watch it. That's really good <laughs> casting. That's that's excellent casting. Well, there you have it, folks. Looks like we all agree this week in a positive way. So you never know. You never know what you'll get when we throw these movies out. Sometimes we're <laughs> like, the game? Fuck that. All trash. But this week, it's a positive experience for everybody. We recommend you watching it. If you're listening to it, we've spoiled the entire movie. So, God, I really hope you watched it. <laughs> Let's know what you think of it. You know, what's your favorite part of this film? Best characters, best part of the movie, the experience itself. Cinema 9 Pod, ProtonMail.com. Cinema 9 Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're always available for you. We are here to serve. And as we continue in that spirit of service, it's time for our quarantine viewing picks. It's uh, a new week, new day. Travis, you've been a busy boy. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, um, t like uh, today, it's been one of the busiest days I've had in a long streak of really busy days. But uh, oh, wow. I did, I did get some more movies in this time. I felt really stupid coming on this podcast last time. <laughs> yeah, I love movies. That's why I didn't watch any this week. Um, so I, I watched a few movies. I watched. I'm thinking of ending things from 2020. Yeah. This year's. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. The new Charlie Kaufman film. I love yeah. Charlie Kaufman. I have called the man a genius. I fucking hated this movie so Ooh. 
much. Wow. I, I haven't wow. hated a movie like this since Mother. Oh, oh um, my gosh. I really uh, hate it. I haven't uh, seen I, it. Right. I, I really did. I, I I felt like there was some there was beautiful moments, beautiful direction, wonderful acting from uh, everyone involved. Like there's mm-hmm. a ton of talent going on here, but um, it gets so lost in its own pretension, and it just I don't know. I guess I like a plot. I think a plot's usually a good <laughs> idea in a movie. Um, I also watched uh, The Devil all the time, which oh, yeah. I have. I could sing the praises of this movie for a while. I think, I oh, think this is one of the better movies I watched this year so far. Um, I, I really think um, I'm, have, have wow. either one of you guys seen it or no? Oh, I'm not. oh you I hated, hated it. it. I, I thought it. it was really good. Uh, what, why did you hate it? The, the narration was some of the worst narration in the movie I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. It was so fucking boring and pointless. Described everything that happened on screen. No, it, it it was so boring and monotonous. I just, oh, I thought it was great. I, th- I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good morality story. But to each their own. I also mm. dug into another Tom Cruise flick I've been meaning to see for Ooh. a while, which is his re team up with uh, what's his name, Doug oh. Lyman, Doug Lemon. Well, yep. I can't think of his Doug name. Lyman. Doug Lyman. Yeah, American Made from 2017. Oh, I saw that. Uh, yeah, a little underwhelmed at the end, but man, it was a good movie, good performance. Uh, it's. They do good work together, those you know, as actor and director. It was definitely worth catching. And last but not least, I watched. You know, I I, I like to try and throw in the occasional Nick Cage film. Last year, <laughs> <laughs> as you guys know, uh, last year he did a movie called Running with the Devil, uh, which was like a kind of an ensemble piece. Uh, Leslie Bibb is in it, playing against cast, and she's great. And but then but and like but then it's just like such a disjointed mess of a movie. And I sent the clip to you guys of Lawrence Fishburne masturbating. Like I've seen, there's a lot of jerk off scenes in movies, right? You got, you got Sean Penn in U-Turn. Robert Pattinson has his moment in, in Lighthouse, but that scene in Running with the Devil was the most like bizarre, out of place. It was just like, what the fuck is this doing in the movie? And it's really weird that it's not Nick Cage doing it. That it's Lawrence Fishburne doing it. I was so, joking when I said Larry Fishburne. I, I, I thought like it was just some guy that looked like him. He no, was that was Larry? genuinely that was really that was really Lawrence Fishburne in the most like with the craziest O face I've ever seen in, in cinema. So uh, it's worth seeing for that, I guess. I'm gonna recommend it for that reason. But uh, <laughs> if you're if you're a Cageophile like myself. Um, this is one you could kind of skip because he doesn't he doesn't really cage out too much and he's and, <laughs> um, and it's 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 no arsenal I'll put it that way oh, oh arsenal is the new bar <laughs> <laughs> can't clear that bar wow. get the fuck out well nice offering Travis glad to have you back Eric Branstrom you have the floor you know I managed to sneak in a, a few movies one strictly based on uh, circumstance strictly ballroom. <laughs> you know, I never seen that, and I really like Boz Lerman. Um, I showed my fourth graders Wonder because we've been reading that as a class book. It's like a <laughs> Julia Roberts. It's like this. It's about this boy who's had all these surgeries, and it teaches you a lesson about you know, period, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, Terrible. Most interesting thing was the fact that literally Owen Wilson was more weird looking than the kid in the movie that's supposed to be this disfigured. <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> and he plays the dad. Um, <laughs> Directed very limply with no passion by the, the guy that wrote The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is actually a really good movie. Um, I watched An Affair to Remember, which is a classic that I love from 1956 with Cary Grant and Deborah Carr. It makes me cry every time. I can't explain it. 
as soon as this one scene happens, Ange looks at me every time, and I, there I go. <laughs> I can't help it. Beautiful. But it's very nostalgia heavy, and you know me and nostalgia. We're, I watched uh, Lady and the Tramp, uh, the original yeah. Disney, not the right. horrific live action remake. I'm sorry. I, I loved and, it. I know you did. And anytime you're trying to make an animal like talk like human being, I'm out. Yeah. I don't get understand why that's like a thing. Like, yeah, I, I, I never liked the Doctor Doolittle uh, anything hey, like that. I was a tequila and Benetti fan back in the nineties. I don't know if you guys recall yeah. this. Uh, I, exactly. I, I mean, I'm into talking animals. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm down. Animal. Okay. Uh, and that's it. So I'm hoping to redeem myself this this next week. I got some on the horizon. Well, that's All a right. that's a fine list. I think you can live with yourself. You've done good. Uh, yeah, yeah you've done good. Um, I started. Uh, I went back to a TV show that I really used to like, the Friday Night Lights, the TV show, not the movie. Um, it actually was a, not bad for a network show. It came out in the 2000s, 2007, and I watched it originally when it came out, and I started watching uh, new episodes, well, the original episodes again of the first season. Um, I, of course, watched Interview with the Vampire, and uh, I watched Radio Flyer, 1992. Oh, yeah. Elijah, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, yeah. Tom Hanks. Telling oh, a story. Nice. He's the narrator, and uh, it's Elijah Wood and uh, that other kid, like that's in a bunch of movies in the nineties. Who's, who's the and dad? Oh, always listening oh, the, to the, the bad listen guy. Listen to the Zydeco. Yeah, uh, I. It's like a Vincent D'Onofrio ripoff. I can't remember. Oh, really? Is nobody big? Okay, never mind. Well, they don't show his face ever. He's he, they just call him. He's just like this scumbag. Oh. So he's always walking around with drunk and like ready to. There's some <laughs> things that happen in the film that aren't very pleasant, but um, I think he's called the he's called the king, the king. Yeah. That's Adam Baldwin. Adam, Adam Baldwin, animal mother. Adam oh, it mother. is Adam Baldwin. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's why I thought. See, that's probably why I thought Vincent D'Onofrio because I was yeah, thinking you, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyways, uh, I loved that movie when I was a kid, and uh, I still enjoyed it. Um, it and then up. I watched uh, Alexander Payne. We did Election, you know, so I still wanted to watch some. We didn't talk about his most recent film, which was Downsizing. Yeah. And yeah. Anybody see that? Yeah. I saw it that. Stupid. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't hate it as much as everybody else did, but like, like for me to like, that's about the best I can say. That's, that's the best. That's the best I've heard anybody say anything about it is that I didn't hate it as much wow. as everyone else did. Okay. Yeah. I. The second viewing it was my second viewing, and I was like, you know, this is interesting. It's the biggest budget he's ever had. You know, yeah. he was doing some interesting things in the film but yeah i don't know if there's a big message doesn't necessarily hit it's it just seems so unlike an alexander Payne movie that i didn't really have that much internet no you're right yeah. it's 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 different uh and i watched the wolf of wall street i hadn't <laughs> seen that in a few years uh i think it's a masterpiece uh, but not for the reasons that other people might think it is. You know, I think it's just very honest. You like the sexism, um, the rampant sexism. I like the honesty of the real. That's what really goes on. So they didn't pull any punches because these people are the scum of the earth, and this is what they do. <laughs> um, I don't revel in small people being tossed, uh, you know, onto Velcro targets. But it's the kind of shit these people are fucking sick. And I thought it was very honest. Rob and Reiner's I got watched... some hilarious lines in that movie. <laughs> yeah, Rob Reiner. I love when Rob Reiner pops in films as an actor. He's still Me got too. it. Um, and I watched Necessary Roughness, 1991, a stupid-ass oh. movie about football that was, from, again, from my childhood. It's got Scott, Sinbad Scott in it. That's right. Yeah, Scott Bakula. Uh, Sinbad. Uh, no Jason Bateman's in that, obviously. Uh, when Jason yeah. Bateman's career was falling apart. 
That's when things went south. So. The lean years. So, of course, uh, <laughs> you're probably wondering if I watch Heaven's Gate because <laughs> I could have no, watched all these. We're not, we're not wondering because we know that you didn't. You, you watched well, a different three-hour movie. Let me surprise you. I did. What? what? Yeah, save the best for last. So I actually did. I was like, yeah, oh, I got to watch that. I turned it off after about a half hour. I was like, the fucking beginning is like, what the fuck is happening? All these guys are just running around. It's just like insanity. Like the movie just threw me off. I was like, whoa. Did you not make it to like the half hour scene of the kid on roller skates playing the fiddle? I, I didn't part. even get that far then. I think I, I turned it off part. when uh, fucking <laughs> Richard Richard Mazer's just walking around being all Irish talking oh, to the Oh yeah, that's fucking... so early. That's so yeah, early, I was like I'm like what's happening? What is this? I, I turned it off. Oh, I just couldn't yeah. handle it. I just was like what is this is too big. I, I think it was too big for me. I really believe that. <laughs> I, I couldn't you and did. I didn't have like a It's grand I didn't have scope. a desire. Yeah, it's so slow and deliberate. I didn't have like uh, I didn't get any incentive to keep watching it. That was my and I, I mean maybe I'll finish it at some point. But my desire to finish it was way down. I had the time. I finally settled in. I was like I got to do this, and I couldn't. Well, I thought it was a uh, a beautiful film, and I'm glad that Eric recommended it to me. I, I felt like there was definitely moments of self indulgence and waste that should have been cut from the three and a half ver hour version that I watched. Um, like, but. Uh, but I, I understand that, uh, you know, I was, I mean, I made the choice to watch the really fucking long version. Um, but, but that was the version that he wanted out there. So that was the version I wanted to see. Um, which That's what I, I had. Right. Which it's, which is worth, it's, I think it's worth seeing. I think, I, I think, I do think that there's, oh. a, you know, a couple moments that didn't work so well. But um, man, like good acting all around and, and, and just so gorgeous. So gorgeous. I'd watch, what's the, uh, what's the one with uh, Clint Eastwood and uh, Jeff Bridges right before this? Thunderball, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Um, I'd watched that not too long before that, and like uh, all the best parts of Thunderbolt and Lightfoot were like this, like were brought, which was like all very the visual stuff, um, the, the landscapes and stuff, which was really brought to the fore in uh, in Heaven's Gate, and it just makes mm -hmm. for like I mean I don't know I haven't spent much time out west, so maybe that's why I'm easily dazzled by cinemat cinematography of it. Well, maybe I'll finish right. it, but uh, uh, it just like. I, just, I was like, I can't do this anymore, and I stopped it. So maybe uh, I know there's an interesting story there. You know, the Johnson County War. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's like a rich guy, and now he's like just being a simple sheriff. And I like the premise; it sounds interesting, but we'll see. We'll see if you I get try. there. Thanks we'll for see. trying. I did. I did. I really did, you guys. Ticket listeners. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I follow the rules. So, all right. Well, those are my choices this week. Uh, those were everybody's choices. And as we close the show, looking forward to next week. We hand the baton to Eric Brandstrom. <laughs> well, yeah, this was, um, I had a tough time for like several weeks. I've had like two like in the air and I'm like this one or that one, this one or that one. And then out of nowhere, it this just pops into my head and I'm like, yes, this is it. So I'm super excited. It's a movie I first was introduced to by the legendary Jim Takis, uh, film from 1995. I saw it back then, and I loved it. We're staying in the 90s. We're staying in the 90s. Usually. Of course. And I remember seeing the poster up on a lot of dorms back in the day, but I haven't really heard about it or definitely seen it or even thought about it really in probably 20, 22 years. It's going to be an opportunity for us to talk about uh, uh, 
a filmmaking team that are brothers that aren't the Wachowskis. Wow. Um, Dead Presidents by yeah. the Hughes Brothers. Great. Dude, yeah. that, I, I literally almost watched that a couple days ago, but I'm like, I've just, I've had my hands on it for a while, a copy, and I'm like, I've just been savoring it. I've just been like waiting for the right moment to watch it. This movie, I am so excited to watch this movie again because I remember loving it back in the day. Lorenz Tate, Keith David. Yeah, we used to call. watch this all the time in the '90s, and uh, I still do. It's, I love, I love the Hughes brothers. Well, I don't love Book of Eli, but. Yeah, I'm Somehow. down. This is great. I'm totally down. This is it's great. Got Chris Tucker's best performance in it. Chris Tucker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well before Rush Hour, of course. So. Hey, well, you know, it was it's no Fifth Element. Well, yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> that's true. Be a opportunity because these filmmakers, Menace to Society, and then this, they were on fire. And then what the fuck happened? Those are two really good movies, too, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Menace to Society is a fucking great movie, oh, but we'll talk about it next week. I'm excited. Well, when you got two, when you got two personalities, you know, weird shit can happen. So yeah. even if they're brothers. All right, good call, Eric. I'm ex- very pleased. We're staying in the '90s again, and that's okay. But uh, I think one of my missions next week will be to literally take us out of this decade. I don't even care what it is, but we got to switch it up. But this is great movies. It's a great choice. Great choice, and uh, we'll see you guys next week for Dead Presidents. Uh, don't forget to uh, do something cool. <laughs> Send a picture of yourself drinking the blood of your roommate who you just signed a new lease with. Uh, don't actually do that. Just, just for <laughs> legal reasons. Don't Disclaimer. Actually do that.